0: It's a pull out, inning, ten-three. Bases 10-3. Faces are loaded for Verlander who waits out a real finish. He swings and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the
1: show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. It's a Thursday show. We are live. We got a lot to talk about today. Some midweek updates, of course, but I love this show. This is always so fun. Some fan questions coming at the end. Uh, My team of the week will be announced right there behind me on this beautiful set. We're also going to do another list. The top players in baseball under 25 and some more trivia. Last week we started trivia. Now we have more bells and whistles. And by bells and whistles, I mean last week all we had was the wrong buzzer. I think we got a good one now. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it, and there's a timer and everything, so let's get to it. Let's get to some of the midweek updates so far this year, or this week. There's been a lot to talk about. Producer Conrad,
2: where where are we starting today, my friend? You know, I think that with all these superstar players that have been kind of slumping through April, and now they're starting to finally get their bats hot going into May, and now we're almost at the end of May, let's start with some, uh, some superstar talk, and one in particular, the place for the Dodgers, Mookie Betts. That's right, Mookie Betts. I'm rocking his shirt, by the way. Just,
1: I mean, when, when the Dodgers acquired Mookie Betts, this is what they imagined. The Mookie that we are seeing right now is what they imagined. Not good Mookie Betts that plays really good defense and hits pretty well. It's this Mookie Betts that plays great defense is in, in, on top of the world offensively. 12 home runs since April 21st. I mean, it's remarkable what he's doing. And I was here a couple of weeks ago and said, "Yes, this Dodgers team is good. I don't think they've scratched the surface of what they can be." And Mookie Betts was a big reason for that. What he's doing now is remarkable. Let's look at these numbers from the start of the year to where we are right now. April 8th through the 21st. So the first few weeks of the year. At 178 He had eight hits and 45 at-bats, eight total runs, zero homers. In that time, the Dodgers were eight and three. Good? I expect, you know, the the Dodgers are good enough to rattle off ten wins in a row at, at any given time. The April 22nd game Mookie had, he went two for five with two home runs. Since that game, since April 22nd, he is the only player in Major League Baseball with 10 plus homers and a strikeout percentage lower than 15%. The Dodgers are 20 and 9 in that span. Mookie's May 345 a 1.161 OPS which is remarkable. It's the the stats go on and on. 25 runs scored most in Major League Baseball. 65 total bases most in Major League Baseball, and you look around the league, you hear these big names starting to perform really well. Aaron Judge having an MVP type of year. Trevor Story, he's figured it out. Well, in May, Mookie is doing things better than all of them. This is the Mookie Betts that we expected to show up with the Dodgers. The Mookie Betts that we saw win an MVP award, and now he could become the second player ever to win an MVP award in both leagues. I'm not sitting here proclaiming right now that Mookie is the MVP, but if he's playing like this, who's going to play better? Manny Machado has been fantastic, but Mookie Betts in the month of May, he's been arguably the best player in baseball. How cool would it be to see him win an MVP award in both leagues? Both leagues. Since May 4th, he has nine homers. That's first in Major League Baseball. 24 RBIs, first in Major League Baseball. 23 runs, first. 795 slugging percentage, first, 27 hits, second, and a 1.211 OPS, which is good for third in all of Major League Baseball. Mookie is off and rolling. Uh, I don't want to say that since he came over, Dodgers fans have been disappointed. It's just not the Mookie that that you know and love and, and, and have respected for all of these years because he was one of the best players in baseball. I don't think over the course of the last two years that Mookie would be considered a top three, five player in all of baseball. Right now, he's back in that conversation. Before, he was certainly in that conversation, if not the top of that conversation. This is the Mookie bets we've seen and know and know how good he can be. Now we're seeing it, and now we're seeing this Dodgers team take off as a result. They were already good. They already had a great lineup. Their pitching rotation was keeping them in every single game. But they weren't as good as they could be because Mookie Betts was hitting, what, 178 for the first few weeks of the season. Not anymore. Not anymore. He already has himself up close to that 300 mark with how good he's been playing. He's hitting a homer, it seems like, every single night. This is Mookie Betts locked in, and Mookie Betts locked in is one of the best players in all of Major League Baseball.
2: He absolutely is. Would you say that Mookie is the most important bat in this lineup for this Dodgers team to be successful?
1: I think we're seeing that now. I think Mookie Betts is the most important piece in this Dodgers lineup. Why? Well, he hits at to the top of the lineup. He's kind of the one that gets things going. Um, and, and when you look at baseball, it is such a—it's a snowball effect in one way or the other. When things are going well, they're really going well. When things are going bad. They're really going bad, and that starts with the top of the lineup. You start getting through a lineup a little bit and nobody has a hit, starts creeping into people's mind. Mookie has been leading off with with Knox seemingly every day. Yes, and I hear you. This lineup is full of superstars. Freddie Freeman is there now. It's incredible that he's in this lineup. Justin Turner, Max Muncie, Trey Turner. There's so many names. Some are playing well. Some aren't playing as well but when mookie is playing well this dodgers team is borderline unbeatable and mookie is playing fantastic right now and the dodgers are playing really good baseball as a result i really do think i don't want to say the dodgers lineup goes as mookie goes because they have a they have a bunch of other guys that are capable of carrying a lineup but he is the most important of those cuz he's the one that kicks it he's the one that kicks it off and gets
2: it going for opposing pitchers like how 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 weird is it to game plan around a team i mean Alfonso Soriano is the first name that comes to me when I think about leadoff guys that have pop. Like, how, how does that change the dynamic of a lineup? Obviously, Otani too now. But where you have a guy that can literally go deep on you hitting leadoff, and then you, that's setting the rest of the offense up. You remember
1: when last year Kyle Schwarber went on that historic pace and they put him in the leadoff hole? and He was hitting like two homers a game, and he's not your stereotypical leadoff hitter. But Mookie is your stereotypical leadoff hitter. He's also just hitting for a bunch of power. This Dodgers lineup is impossible to game plan for. You have Mookie, who can do it all. You have Trey Turner, who can literally do it all. You have guys in the lineup that are good contact hitters. You have guys in the lineup that, you know, I don't think Cody Bellinger has been hitting for a high average. I wouldn't consider him a high average guy anymore. But he's a guy that steps into the box, and at any given moment, he's capable of hitting a ball out of the yard. So you have to game plan for that. Max Muncy is a guy that's not hitting well right now, but he's going to grind you to death. He's going to make you throw a ton of pitches. He's going to work his walks. you got to you, you got a game plan for that. You have to game plan for Freddie Freeman, and they also go righty-lefty, righty-lefty so well. I More so than any other lineup I can ever remember, this Dodgers lineup is impossible to game plan for. You just have to hope that you can be on top of your game Attack their weaknesses to the best of your ability, which there aren't a ton of weaknesses, and it's just going to be strength on strength. And you have to hope as a pitcher that your strength wins on that given night because you're not going to catch them on a down night. There's too many good players in that lineup that are capable of, of carrying a team. If Mookie's not playing well, guess what? Freddie Freeman's very well capable of carrying that lineup. If neither of them are, Trey Turner can carry a lineup. There's so many guys that you can put in the middle of any lineup in Major League Baseball, and they're game changers. They're stars that you just put in the middle of that lineup. They have multiple of those. I don't know how you game plan for it. There is no way to game plan for that lineup.
2: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, just yeah, looking at the roster on paper, we've talked about a lot of times just so many all-stars and so many studs through and through. I don't know how you're an opposing pitcher coming in there and being able to look at that lineup and going, you know what? I actually have a game plan to get these guys all out today.
1: Yep, exactly. And we, we talk about, uh, we've, we've obviously talked about this lineup, and this is also a lot about Mookie Betts. I mean, when, when he's hot, it, like I just said, it is impossible to game plan for. And, and we've all been talking about, it seems like the talk around baseball for the last couple of weeks, especially for the last week, has been Aaron Judge, rightfully so, and Trevor Story, rightfully so. Mookie Betts has the second most homers in baseball in that span, just two behind Aaron Judge. More than Trevor Story, I mean, it has been remarkable the tear he's been on. And it's almost like we're not surprised. It's been waiting. We've all been waiting for this to happen. You know Mookie's not going to slump for an entire year. You just know he's not going to go multiple months without hitting 200. It's not going to happen. It's Mookie Betts. So, yeah, this team is scary. Uh, That's what makes them so good. That's what makes them so scary is their entire roster, their depth. They're a team that you never want to play against because they are so difficult to game plan against. And and like I said, they're impossible to game plan against. But when Mookie's rolling at the top of that lineup, you might as well just call it a night. Just pack it on up and go home because the Dodgers aren't
2: going to lose. Absolutely. Last thing on Mookie Betts. He officially has the second best odds in the NL to win the MVP, plus 700.
1: You know know what's funny about that is imagine hearing that two, three weeks ago. It happened so fast. That's the whole point here is, look, I hear you with the MVP odds and all of this early in the year. It matters. We should be talking about it but it is early in the year. We're right around the 40-game mark, which is right around a quarter of the season has been completed. And in the blink of an eye, it went from what's wrong with Mookie Betts to boom, is Mookie Betts going to win an MVP award? And that's what's so cool. That's what's so special about Mookie, and that's what's so cool about this Dodgers lineup is at the drop of a hat, somebody's going to get hot and they're going to go on a tear.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just have to talk about Mookie Betts and how he's been playing so well of late. Now let's move on to probably, I think, what a lot of people would say, like the 1A, 1B of the NL, the New York Mets, and how they're no longer metting.
1: Yeah, and this is important because I sat here a couple of weeks ago and said, I've actually said this a few times this year, this Mets team isn't going to met. The Mets are going to met no longer. Now why did I say that two, three weeks ago? Well, because one, the the Mets get off to a hot start and everybody says, ah, well, it's the Mets. We've seen this before. Something's going to happen. Well, I didn't like that that was said because I believe in this team. I believe in how good they are. I also said it because this team isn't living and dying by two or three guys on this roster. They're not living and dying by Jacob deGrom being at the top of that rotation. They're not living and dying by Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor being the guys in that lineup. You know why? Because, yes, those are a beautiful core to build your team around. Lindor, DeGrom, Pete Alonso, fantastic. But what happens is if you have two of those three not playing well or, unfortunately, Jacob DeGrom not playing at all because he's been hurt for the better part of the last year, if he's not pitching – and Lindor's not playing well like he wasn't last year, or Pete Alonso's not playing well, the Mets, they're going to guess what? They're going to Met, because they don't have that depth there to, to continue to be as good as they, they should be. This year's different. They bring in a ton of new guys. They bring in Starling Marte, Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna, Chris Bassett, and then you have younger guys, other guys stepping up out of, out of seemingly nowhere You know, we wouldn't expect – think of heading into this offseason. If somebody were to told you the starting pitcher on opening day for the New York Mets is going to be Tyler McGill, you're going to be like, what? What are you talking about? Well, he's been fantastic. Well, now he's hurt. The injuries keep piling up, but the Mets aren't going to met this year because the depth is so incredible. Having Buck Showalter at the top of this team, leading this team, makes a huge difference. But all of these guys are capable of picking each other up. If Jacob deGrom is out, which he was to start the year, guess what? Max Scherzer is there. If Max Scherzer goes down, guess what? Chris Bassett is there. If Pete Alonso's not playing well, well, guess what? Francisco Lindor is back to being Francisco Lindor. He comes over for the first year of this big, massive deal. And it didn't go very well, which is understandable. You're moving to a new place. You put all the pressure in the world on yourself. Well, now guess what? Lindor slashing 250 with a 780 OPS, which is his best since 2019. He is on pace, Francisco Lindor, to hit 28 homers, 28 doubles, 116 RBIs, and 109 runs scored. That is Elite. Francisco Lindor is now in this lineup making a massive difference. Jeff McNeil is back making a big difference. Mark Kan is in the outfield. Starling Marte. This is why I've said this all along. If they're not playing well, other guys will pick them up. We just talked about it with the with the Dodgers. The, the Mets are built similarly. They really are. They might not have the top-tier stars. They might not have the Mookie Betts. They might not have the Trey Turner, but they have stars that are all throughout the lineup that are all capable of carrying a team. So if a couple of them go down, if Pete Alonzo has a week where he goes 0 for 10, guess what? They're going to be okay because there's other guys to pick them up. This Mets team is built to win, and they are built to not Met. So cut it out. The Mets aren't going to Met, and we're seeing it now. Their injuries have been remarkably bad remarkably and they're still winning ball games, winning series and that's what it's about in the regular season it's about from series to series finding ways to win those series and the mets are doing that despite all of their injuries
2: i know you're saying the mets are no longer going to met but are you a little bit concerned that they have an upcoming stretch where they play at the Dodgers for four games, at San Diego for three games, at the Angels for three games, then back home against Milwaukee for three games. That sounds brutal.
1: That sounds brutal no matter how healthy you are. So obviously it sounds even more daunting going into that stretch of brutal games without DeGrom and without Scherzer. You you never want to do that. This team is built to win games even when they have guys go down. So am I saying they're going to go on this road trip and on this on this stint of what sounds like, I don't know, 12, 15 games and win 10 of them? Well, no, because they have a bunch of injuries that makes them not at their full potential. But what we would have seen in the past with this first-place Mets team is they start struggling or injuries come about. They go on this stint of double-digit games and they lose – of them. They lose 90% of them. They're not going to. This Mets team is capable of going 500 in those games, and that's okay. You're going on a stretch of games against playoff teams, all playoff teams. You're not going to expect to sweep them all. You're not going to expect to win every single series with your depleted roster right now. But the way this team is built is built to not go on extended skids. They're not going to lose 10 of 12. They're not going to lose 15 of 20. They're going to, in those skids, go 500. And that's a good recipe for success.
2: Absolutely. I think that's what we said last week is if they can go 500 over this stretch without DeGrom or Scherzer, you're looking at the NL East and you're going, we still have this, in, not in the bag, but we still have a really good chance at winning this. and only that, but hopefully get home field throughout the playoffs, possibly.
1: Exactly. And imagine imagine when you do get those guys back. Now you have a first place team. You add back Scherzer and DeGrom around, who, who knows when it's going to be, but I saw DeGrom throwing the other day in the outfield, which is a great sight to see. Scherzer's not going to be out for, Um, you know, he's he had a six to eight week timeline, so he's going to be back. Imagine getting those two back, as a first-place team, already a first-place team, now you add two of the best aces in the game of baseball? I mean, Wow, that, that's remarkable. Over their last 20 games, the Mets are 11-9. They've gained two and a half games in the NL East standings over that stretch. That's what they need to do, especially when the rest of this NL East hasn't performed to their capability yet. I will say the Braves look to be turning it on a little bit. So... As long as you don't, with this lead the Mets have, you're going to go in stretches like this throughout a year into a a series of games over a course of 10, 15 days. That is as difficult as they are about to. You're not going to have to do it often. So if you go into these games, you go 500. Let's say the Braves win 75% of their games over that stretch. Instead of making up the usual eight games, they're going to make up two, three games. That's the difference with this Mets team. That's why I say they're not going to met because their team's not built to do that. Their team is almost incapable of losing 10 of 12 games. That's how good they are, and that's why I say that it's not going to happen. They can go on this stretch and go 500 and be just fine.
2: Absolutely. You know, we're also going to get to the other team in New York, the other team. Here in a little bit, but let's heard of first, them. Let's, the, Yan- the Yankees. Let's first go into some of the favorite weekend series to watch, okay. starting with the Cubs and White Sox.
1: Cubs and White Sox, actually the FS1 game on Saturday, so make sure you're checking that out. AJ Pierzynski will be on the call there, so we might have we have a little fun conversation coming with him on Saturday, leading up to that game that we will release. Um, Cubs at White Sox is going to be a fun series. The crosstown rivalry is always it's always heated. It really is. It's always a heated matchup. It doesn't really matter if one team is playing well that year or if one team stinks. Um, It always brings the passion, brings the energy. Chicago rallies around those two teams, and it ends up being packed houses, a lot of energy there. So Cubs at White Sox is a big series to watch. Another one for me, Blue Jays at the Angels. This is an interesting one. One, because they're two really exciting teams. The Blue Jays are really exciting and have a great offense. The Angels are exciting because they have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and that that right there makes them really exciting. So now you have a team in the Blue Jays that has not been playing up to their potential. They're going up against a really good Angels team that needs to win these games. They need to prove that they are good against good baseball teams. If you want to be a playoff team, which the Angels appear to be this year, you're going to have to beat teams like the Blue Jays. And this is going to be a good series. The Blue Jays are coming to their home. They're coming to Anaheim to play the Angels. That's a big series for me to watch. I'm really excited to see that one um, and, and to see how that shapes out and to see how the Angels shape up against some of the cream of the crop. Another one, Brewers at Cardinals, an NL Central clash. These are the two teams the NL Central. This is it. The NL Central isn't great this year. It's the Brewers. It's the Cardinals. I picked the Brew Crew to win the NL Central. I still believe that to be the case. But the Cardinals are starting to play better. They're starting to hit well outside of just Nolan Arenado. Arenado has been carrying them to this point. So now he's playing well. But Paul Goldschmidt is playing really well. Tommy Edmond has been good. If they can get Tyler O'Neill going to what we believe and have seen him to be, well, it's going to be a clash in the NL Central. I don't think anybody's going to run away with this. I really don't. So now the Brewers, who I like to win, are going to St. Louis. The Cardinals have to win this series at home. It's not a must-win, obviously, a quarterway end into the year. But if you're the Cardinals, you get the best of the best coming to your home in the division. This series is going to go a long way. I want to see Busch Stadium packed, I want to see Cardinals fans there because this is a big series against the two best in the NL Central. So, those are the three series I'm looking at. Everybody, make sure to tune in. I like doing this just so there's a lot of games going on over the weekend. Just so you know, hey, I I would like to tune in there. Cubs at White Sox, Blue Jays at Angels, Brewers at Cardinals.
2: Yeah, all three great series. Now, before we get to our guest here in about five to seven minutes, a little trivia. Oh, give some trivia.
1: All right, trivia time. We started this last week. I hear the music happening now, so we already have more bells and whistles. I gave myself a B, I think, last week, which may or may not have been deserved, but guess what? It's Flippin' Bats with Ben Verlander. I'll give myself my own grade.
2: There you go, man. Just grading (laughs) your own self out. Uh, The first one we have for trivia today, uh, Ray Liotta, obviously, RIP, passed away today. A little tribute to him. Played which famous player in Field of Dreams?
1: Ray Liotta played which famous player in Field of Dreams? Oh, no, there's a timer as well. Um, Shoeless Joe.
2: Correct, there you go. One for one. Fun fact, fun fact reading about it this morning. He actually hit right-handed in the movie. Shoeless Joe Jackson was actually left-handed. They they couldn't get him to swing left-handed.
1: Why'd they do that?
2: Uh, Next one up. All right, this is where it might get a little more difficult from here. Oh, great. All right, you know this guy pretty well. I'm almost positive.
1: Time out. I was told this will be a 20 second timer. I see 10 on the screen. Oh
2: I, man, John, John Marcus back there really got you on that one, boy. All right,
1: all right, one for one.
2: Who is the only player drafted number one overall to win a Cy Young? I have 10 seconds to answer this. Well, this is
1: ridiculous because Justin should have been drafted. Justin was second overall. I don't know if I'm going to get this. I don't know.
2: David Price.
1: David Price. Wow. I thought
2: I thought, I thought you would have got that one.
1: No. No? No.
2: Well, maybe you get not. maybe you'll get this one then. Okay. Which active player is the leader in all-time strikeouts?
1: <laughs> the leader in all-time strikeouts? That's still active. Still active? Albert Pujols. Pitcher. Think pitcher, oh, oh, okay. Restart the timer. <laughs> Restart the timer. Restart it. Okay. Uh, all-time leader in strikeouts that's currently active, um, Max Scherzer. There you go. I, but I don't... You better watch out. because Give me the correct... Thank you. So, Max Scherzer is like 16 ahead of Justin. Max is out for six to eight weeks. Justin hopefully will overtake that and he's also close to John Smoltz and CeCe Sabathia. So hopefully in a couple of weeks, Justin becomes the 16th all-time on the strikeout list and the active leader in strikeouts.
2: Yeah, I, I, I didn't know if it was going to trip you up or not, but you nailed that one.
1: Thank you. All a right.
2: So. Next up, which player has the most 20-plus win seasons in MLB history?
1: Oh. Uh. Most 20-plus win seasoned in history. Um, Cy Young. There you go. Yeah! Woo! When all else fails, if it has to do with longevity, just answer Cy Young. That's, well, that, that was right. the reason why I picked that one. It
2: was like, <laughs> listen, it's not some random guy. But, I mean, yeah, definitely Cy Young. The most oh, of I man. think at 15. All right, next up. Over the last month, so over the last 30 days, which player has led... Major League Baseball in home runs, RBI, and runs?
1: Aaron Judge. This guy's on fire.
2: Yep, correct.
1: I am just unbeatable. Greatest trivia player of all time.
2: (laughs) Just a bounce back week this week. This
1: is is good. This is big for me, yeah.
2: Which rookie is the current leader in war?
1: Jeremy Pena. Yeah.
2: Woo! Jeremy Pena. 2.4 war. The next closest is like 1.5. The guy's killing it.
1: Who's the Who's the closest? Joe Ryan?
2: No, it wasn't Joe Ryan. I forget who it was, but it was it wasn't like wasn't a oh.
1: trivia question. Don't worry about it. Fine, I got that one right. All
2: right, who is the current leader in runs scored this season?
1: Current leader in runs scored. Um, Trey Turner. Ooh,
2: close. Same thing as last Mookie Betts.
1: See, I almost answered Mookie, but it's because of the slow start. I didn't think he would at this point be leading all of baseball because of the slow start. You
2: really ramped it up, I guess.
1: So was I close in terms of Trey Turner was being close or I'm close in terms because they hit close to each other in the lineup? Both. Okay, cool.
2: There you go. Which current player is the highest war in MLB? I asked you, rookie, before. Now it's all of MLB.
1: The highest war in all of Major League Baseball. Mike Trout.
2: Close, Manny Machado. Manny Machado. And now I have one. This I, is the, this is the last, final bonus trivia. question.
1: Bonus trivia. Let me let me just state the correct the correct buzzer is like yay.
2: The wrong one is like you're so wrong. You suck at this. We
1: need like an eco. The the, the wrong one's kind of harsh, you know.
2: We don't we don't we don't do anything for not a reason around here. You know what okay, I mean? Like yeah. there there's a reason. It's like that. Okay, great. <laughs> great. And the last one. And you know what? I told the guys in the back too. You can phone a friend here because this one is difficult.
1: I have ten seconds to pick up my phone, phone a friend. You can and phone. A, you can
2: phone a friend of the guys in the back. All right. L.A. has the 2022 All Star Game. When was True. the last time the Dodgers hosted the All Star Game in L.A.?
1: Fred, Director John, you got an answer for me here? Uh, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Is our answer? I don't know. 86.
2: It's actually pretty close 1980. 1980. 1980. you know I figured we have a house full of Dodgers fans and you know I was I was just throwing out a little curveball to see if anybody could hit it and uh, Dodgers fans are gonna dodger and get it wrong as usual. Okay,
1: well, I am going to give myself a grade of I got a couple wrong, I got a lot right. I'm gonna give myself an A not an A plus an A. That's my great A minus. I'll give myself an A minus for today. And that's that.
2: You are the best self grader I've ever seen. Thank you. <laughs> you hit like 40%. And you're like, yeah, that's gonna That that's wasn't it. 40%. No, that was that was great. You hit like 80% there. Yeah, which in
1: my mind, that's an A. Yeah, there you go. A minus.
2: So uh before we get to our guest, we're gonna talk some Yankees here.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um the New York Yankees, I have some concerns. And they were at the top of my list of power rankings. Again, basically a month straight. I have some concerns now. And they are still at the top, even this last week. But things are starting to happen. Two, three, four. We're starting to see a little bit of, of some injuries with the, with the New York Yankees. Some concern, a little bit of a skid. But I do still have them at the top of my power rankings. And uh, I'm excited to, to bring on now. Our our guest he talks about the Yankees a lot more so than me. I'm pumped to talk to him, Brian Hoke. Brian, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Let's talk some Yankees. I cannot hear Brian quite oh. yet. There we go. I got you. Can you hear me?
0: All right. There we go. I can hear you.
1: Perfect. <laughs> Brian, thanks for joining me, my friend. I appreciate it. You got it. Happy to be on with you. So, let me start with this. What is different? about this New York Yankees team. They didn't make that big sexy move that everybody wanted them to in the offseason. They didn't get the Freddie Freeman, they didn't get the Carlos Correa, the Matt Olson, the Corey Seager, but they are still in my opinion and in my power rankings the best team in Major League Baseball. What
0: is different about this team this year? Yeah, I'll be honest Yeah, I didn't see the 1998 Yankees coming out of the gate with this team. Um, So the start that they were able to get off to did surprise me. Uh, But I think that this is what they thought last year's team was going to be. And we saw glimpses of it in the second half last year. I think that the trade for Anthony Rizzo was a big move for this team. He had a huge April, Um, has tailed off a little bit here. But I think that offensively, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton have really carried this team. I know Stanton's on the IL right now, but Judge is uh, really making good on this bet to bet on himself and say, I can have a kind of year that's going to get me my Trout money. He's showing that right now, and the pitching has been excellent. I know they've been ravaged by injuries here a little bit, especially in the bullpen, but uh, they've built a healthy advantage here in the East where I would say that if they don't wind up winning the division after the start they had, it's going to be a massive disappointment.
1: I agree, and and it seems like in years past, the Yankees were very injury-dependent. If, if you have some of your stars go down, It's not going to be good for the Yankees. Am I wrong in thinking that it feels different this year? Obviously, you don't want to go through big injuries and you don't want your stars to get injured, but it feels like this team is built, and we might see that over the course of the next couple weeks, to sustain injuries.
0: Well, they're going to be tested here. And, you know, Aaron Boone was saying the other day, adversity is going to come for you sooner or later. And so even when they were off to that fantastic start, they were the last team in Major League Baseball to reach double D in losses to to go that deep into May and still have nine losses. That that was pretty impressive. And so uh, they're being tested here. Uh, You know, they signed Matt Carpenter today. That was kind of a surprise to me. And I think that's showing that they're going to have to lean on this kind of next man up depth here to uh, to get through this rough stretch.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you about. Some of those injuries. Let's start with Giancarlo Stanton, who goes on the IL. We hear it's a, a calf strain, and then we hear that it might be it might, it might be an ankle. There's been all sorts of reports about what's on what's up with Giancarlo Stanton. W- what exactly is his injury,
0: and how is he doing? Right now, what they're saying is it's inflammation, and so that's a good sign. That's much better than a calf strain. You would rather have inflammation because yes. when I heard calf strain I'm thinking three or four weeks right. and so um, if it is inflammation it's something that can knock out in closer to 10 days then that would be great
1: yep I, I agree so th- that would be that'd be big because you hear calf strain and you start to think okay strains can last a little longer than than people originally anticipate another one I want to talk about is Eraldis Chapman who wasn't pitching fantastic when he went down had consecutive outings giving up a run Clay Holmes has been lights out in the back of that bullpen. So let me ask you this. Let's say Clay Holmes continues to be dominant, steps into the closer role and is really good. Aroldis Chapman comes back, who's a fantastic closer, one of the most dominant closers we've seen this generation. Is there a world in which Clay Holmes can stay in that closer role once Aroldis Chapman comes back?
0: I think so. I, and here's why, because Aaron Boone and the Yankees coaching staff are so excited in what they have in clay Holmes right now. Uh, you know, he's got probably the best sinker on the planet right now. I don't think that's hyperbole that the way he's been pitching with that thing. I, I he's got a great scoreless inning streak going, if you've got a hot hand there in the ninth inning, keep rolling with it. And I think that this Chapman injury, this little timeout that he's got going here is the perfect opportunity where they can keep Holmes in the ninth inning. You can work Chapman back in. I know Chapman, that's part of his identity is to be the closer. Uh, that means a lot to him. But the way that Clay Holmes is pitching right now, the door is open. Clay Holmes can grab that closer's job. And don't forget, this is this could be a role to Chapman's last year in pinstripe. So it's yeah. not like they're wedded to him for, you know, three or four more years here. This could be the end of his run here. So I think that in terms of having to massage his ego and, you know, make sure his feelings aren't hurt, this team's trying to win a World Series. They're not trying to, you know, make everybody feel good. So if Clay Holmes in the ninth inning gives them the best opportunity to go to the playoffs and win a World Series, then that's what you need to do.
1: I absolutely agree. And this team feels like, This team feels like a World Series caliber team. It feels like this could be the year that the Yankees get over that hump. It it just, it does feel different. Does the vibe feel different in the clubhouse with this team? Just being around the team every day, does it feel different? Do they feel like they're having fun and they know how good they are?
0: It did up until about three or four days ago. And then, like I said, now the come to kind of hit them in the teeth a little bit. But uh, I feel like they're going to be able to shake that up. Big four games here at Tropicana Field. Yeah. I guess that's going to determine how good their care of business against this Tampa Bay team. Hard to believe this is the first time they've seen Tampa Bay all year. So it's kind of some funky scheduling going on here, but I think that uh, the bonrons team is good. I think that they know they are built for October and they just got to keep kind of powering through and, and keep winning series. They were doing a great job of that. They won nine consecutive series before dropping one. Um, I, I think that this has all the ingredients. Now now it's just about getting some of these guys back healthy and get that lineup that we were seeing a week uh, about a week ago.
1: Yeah. One more question for you before we wrap up, and it's about Aaron Judge. Who you mentioned it earlier he bet on himself and he is winning that bet and it's really cool to see is there a different um, is there a different hunger about him this year I know he's always been hungry and always a competitor and wants to win but has it been different with him this year I mean it from the word go he came out after you know there was a week there where it took him and then and then he's just taken off ever since and he's been on another planet does that factor in here? <laughs> does it factor in that he bet on himself and he went out and said, "You know what? I'm 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 going to win this year and and I'm going to do the best that I've ever done in my career."
0: And you're right. This is the best I have seen him since 2017. I think when he hit 52 home runs, won Rookie of the Year unanimously, probably should have won MVP. I think you can make that case pretty uh, pretty strongly there. But I think that. It is to another level, exactly, another planet here. And and obviously the focus is there. The motivation is there. He's a free agent going into his walk year. Um, he wants to prove he can get that kind of Mike Trout contract. And uh, the way he's playing, if he can keep this up for four or five more months, the Yankees are going to have to swallow hard, dig deep, and, and you know pay his price, whatever it is, because this guy is on a mission to prove that he is the best player in baseball.
1: Did his price go
0: up? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I mean, if 30 and a half million and here's what happened opening day, Brian Cashman, the GM brought us downstairs and he was very upfront. He gave us numbers, chapter and verse. Here is what we offered Aaron judge. Mm -hmm. And I remember writing it down in my notepad. I said, 30.5 million. That's a good offer. I think I would have taken that money. Um, so, but yeah, if that was not the, uh, the correct dollar amount, then yeah, he, he's going to ask for more and I think he's going to get it.
1: You know, it's been interesting with him because for some reason, there was a little bit of a stretch there where he had injuries, but he got labeled as, as a guy that, well, he can't, he, he's got to stay healthy. He's been healthy for the better part of over a year now, uh, and he's been showing that he is one of the best players in all of baseball. And he is about to get absolutely paid. So, Brian, thank you so much for joining me. to Talk a little bit of Yankees. I'd love to have you back on at some point when when we're talking some more Yankees. I appreciate it. You got it. All thank right. you. Thanks, my friend. So, I, I want to. I do want to talk a little bit more about this Yankees team because I, I do have. I have my own concerns with this team, and. Um, it's a lot of injuries. There are injuries involved. Um, and, and I don't want to, you know, they're, they're on a high. The New York Yankees were on an absolute high. They were the best team in baseball. They still are, but it's not, as, it's not as prominent anymore. Then you had a situation come up recently with Josh Donaldson. So that changes the vibe in the locker room. You have injuries come about. That changes the vibe in the locker room. Giancarlo Stanton goes down. I know it sounds like, according to Brian, that it's not as scary as a strain. Maybe it's just inflammation. That would certainly dodge a bullet. But this was a thing with the Yankees. They were rolling. There were no injury concerns. Now they're not rolling. The vibe isn't as good, and now there are injury concerns. Araldis Chapman, back into the bullpen, wasn't very good lately. Then he got hurt. He goes down. Chad Green goes down. He's out for the year. He has to get Tommy John. DJ, DJ LeMayhu. Who it seems he's okay, but there was a wrist injury. You know, those things can linger. I I'm I'm concerned about the New York Yankees. This is their injury list. Giancarlo Stanton, Araldis Chapman, Achilles, Jonathan Loizaga, Shoulder, Chad Green, TJ, Luis Gill, TJ, Zach Britton, TJ, Domingo Dermond, Shoulder, Temla Castro, Latimus Dorsai, Ben, they're the catcher they acquired. I don't exactly know how to say his last name. Rod Oblique, knee, Stephen Riding, shoulder. You're, this is this is a problem. And then you have everybody that needs to step up and be better. Michael King, since Eraltis Chapman has gone out, has not been good in the bullpen. Clay Holmes stepped in as a closer. He appears to be a dominant guy, but he, he needs to be that dominant guy. And we heard Brian talk about it. Clay Holmes, they're giving him that shot to be the closer of the future. He said it, Araldus Chapman, this is his last year. Maybe this is what needed to happen. Maybe Aroldis Chapman's injury allows him to slide in, be that guy in the back end of the bullpen that they desperately, desperately need right now.
2: Yeah, you guys talked about it a little bit too, so I, I wonder how the back end of that, that bullpen is going to work out. Like, Do you think Holmes is going to be the new closer moving forward unless Chapman comes back and is just back to being himself?
1: Well, that's what, yeah, and, and that's, what I was—I loved having him on because he's there, obviously, every day, and I, I was happy to ask him. What? Let's say Holmes goes out, and dominates, and doesn't blow a save, and continues to have, in my opinion, the best. I mean, he's throwing 98, 100 mile an hour sinkers that are actually moving like like a lot. Um, let's say he doesn't blow a save and he looks fantastic, or Aldis Chapman comes back when he's eligible to be off the IL. What do you do? I stick with Clay Holmes. This isn't. This isn't a role to Chapman's, you know, he hasn't, oh, he earned it. He was struggling. He's also could be gone after the end of this year. This team is built to win a World Series. They're built to win right now. You can't afford to have him come back and say, hey, yeah, we don't want to hurt your ego. We're going to put you back in the ninth and Clay Holmes in the eighth. If Clay Holmes earns that spot, put him there. Put Chapman in in the seventh and eighth and see if he can still be a dominant guy in the back end of the bullpen because he has not been proving that right now. Clay Holmes has been proving that, and we're going to see in those high leverage situations if he can come through. Because pitching, I don't know if many people understand this, there is a massive, massive difference between getting outs in the eighth inning, getting three outs in the eighth inning, and getting the 25th, 26th, and 27th out of the game in the ninth inning. It is for a different breed. It is for a guy that is built to do that. you got to be a little bit crazy to do it as well. So we're going to learn a lot about Clay Holmes stepping into this spot and if he's going to be the closer for the future of the Yankees.
2: And luckily, if you're a Yankees fan out there, your team is never afraid to make moves at the all-star break.
1: That's true. You, you know they're going to do something. If they need bullpen help, they're going to go get that bullpen help.
2: for sure. Absolutely. This seems like a year that the Yankees are really, really going to try to go for it all. Yep. You know, try to get what they can. Let's move on from the Yankees, and let's move over to pick-to-click. All right. right. My pick to click and correct. Do you
1: have a pick to click this week?
2: I do not have a pick to click this week, but I think next week and moving forward. All
1: right, we're gonna we're gonna start moving forward. We're gonna go a little mono mono Yes. We'll both have a pick to click and we'll keep a little head to head record against each other. Yeah, I think other. that's fun. Yeah. You know, right now I'm just playing against myself and I'm not doing a great job. Yeah,
2: man. It's just like going out playing around of golf. Yeah. No, yeah. You know what, you know
1: what the I don't wanna say the problem. Because I'm two and four, and obviously, honestly, I would give myself an A minus so far this year. And I picked—just kidding. But you're, I, still, you're
2: still batting 300. I like
1: I like betting on guys that one have been on the show. I, I picked Robbie Ray to win a game and to have a sub three a 3.3 ERA. That didn't happen. He, I think in like his first or second inning of the week, he gave up a grand slam, and I was sitting at home like, well, great. I, there I, goes my pick-to-click already.
2: I'm very aware. I got a text message that said, there goes my pick-to-click. Thanks, Robbie Ray.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I want to bet on guys that are struggling, that have been on the show, that I like. Um, so that's the reason for that. But this week's pick-to-click, I'm going to turn it around, and I'm going to bet on somebody that is the best hitter, I think, in the game of baseball, but is going through a little bit of a power... Power struggle. He hasn't hit a home run in over over a couple weeks. Uh, So I'm going to pick Juan Soto to hit a home run this week. Until this next show, next Thursday, from now till then, Juan Soto will hit a home run, and that is my prediction.
2: Whoa, getting bold over here. The best hitter in baseball getting a home run? What? Just stop.
1: He hasn't hit a home <laughs> run in a couple of weeks. He's got eight on the year. I like him to hit a home run. You know what?
2: That's, you know what? That's, I, I'll double down. I'll double down on that. I also think Juan Soto is going to
1: I don't want to. Stay away. I perfect. don't want you to Here we go. Run. Get away from my pick. It's my this, pick to click. And this honestly gonna jinx works out it. perfect. You're going to jinx my pick to click. If this doesn't win, it's because Conrad tried to say that it's going to happen as well, and he would have jinxed it. Juan Soto is going to hit a home run, and it will have nothing to do with Conrad. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, let, let,
2: let, let's move on. So uh, if you want to get up, we can get into it. Is team uh, of the week time? So not team of the week. Top five players under 25. Yes. Last top week we players. did your all top uh, under 25 team by every position. Yes. People were asking for it. Who are your top five players under 25 yeah, currently? That was
1: a fun team. So we did the all flipping bats 25 and under team. And many would say, you know, some of the comments were, where would so-and-so on this team rank of all of them? So that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to do top five players under the age of 25. We're going to start with number five over here, and we're going to start with Jordan Alvarez. First thing that comes to mind is how on earth is Jordan Alvarez under 25 years old? But he is, and he is one of the best hitters in the game of baseball. He's 24. He's able to hit with a lot of pop, and he's able to hit with a lot of You know, power the other way as well. He's not just a power hitter; he can hit for average, he can he can hit in the clutch situations, and he can hit for power. I remember last year a ball, or last year he hit a ball at Minute Maid Park up into like the 18th deck there or something. It was remarkable. So he's not just here because he's a power hitter. He's here because he is an all-around one of the best hitters in baseball at 24 years old. At number four, we have Fernando Tatis. Jr. Tatis is, you know, when you look at electric, when you think of the term electric baseball players, he's obviously at the top of that list. He's also just really good. Last year, he was in contention for the MVP award, ends up getting hurt, comes back. He's never quite the same. You know, he has that shoulder injury, goes to play center field. He's not a center fielder. But what he is, is he's one of the best players in the game of baseball, and he is under 25 years old. The game of baseball, this will be a theme on this list once you see these other players. The game of baseball is in really good hands. I'm excited for Fernando Tatis to come back and to come back soon because he's one of the best players in baseball, certainly one of the best under 25. He's at number four. Moving on to number three, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know what? He would have won an MVP award last year if it weren't for somebody named Shohei Ohtani that did things that we've never seen before. The MVP award would have been his. And he is under 25. He is an absolute force at the plate. When you look at at guys that come up to the plate that are just intimidating, that you don't want to face, he's at the top of that list. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is arguably... I, I don't think this is a crazy thing to say. He could, when all is said and done have a better career than his dad, who is remarkable and a Hall of Famer himself, which is high praise for a guy that is, that is on this list at number three. And he's still so young. He's doing these things at a young age. I love Vladdy Jr. I like him a lot. Let's move on to number two on this list, Ronald Acuna Jr., who is thankfully back, back from the IL, uh, back from the torn ACL. I was actually watching that game last year when he tore it, and it sucked. You know, I, was, I watched it from... Denver at the All-Star game. I was literally waiting there for the players to arrive. He was playing in his last game before the All-Star break. Gets hurt. Tears his ACL. Comes back this year, and he's already doing fun and exciting things like hitting homers and falling down when he does it. Doing the LeBron James celebration. One thing that you'll notice with this list is they're all exciting as well. Baseball is changing. There is a shift in how the game of baseball is played. One, they play hard but they also play with a passion and energy. They'll flip their bat. They'll have fun along the way. Ronald Acuna Jr. is one of the most fun players in the game of baseball, and I am so happy he's back. He's at number two on my list of top five players under 25, which leads to the final player on this list, the number one player under 25 years old. It is Juan Soto. Juan Soto is already in a category with just himself and Ted Williams. Just those two. It's remarkable. He is one of the best hitters that the game has ever seen already, and he's under 25. He's probably, when he's going, he's the best pure hitter in the game of baseball, and he could, when all is said and done, go down as The best hitter that the game has ever seen. And that's not a crazy thing to say because at his young age, at 23 years old, we're already talking about him being in a conversation with him and just Ted Williams, who many consider to be the greatest hitter of all time. Many consider Ted Williams to be the greatest hitter of all time. And now Juan Soto joins him and him only in a certain category when it comes to hitting. He is remarkable. This list is remarkable. Baseball is in really, really good hands. Jordan Alvarez, Fernando Tatis Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., and Juan Soto round out this list. What a list.
2: All all pretty impressive, and this is one thing that we were actually talking about earlier. How important is the international draft Just look at the top five players under 25 years old.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got to talk about that um, with Salvador Perez, actually. If you haven't listened to his episode, that came out yesterday, uh, the Salvi Perez episode, who's obviously himself an international player from Venezuela, and I spoke to him about whether he was for or against an international draft, the difference that would make. Obviously, that changes everything, and I do think when it gets done and when it gets done right, And that's why there was a holdup this CBA, because of the international draft. The owners and GMs wanted that implemented. The players were saying, hey, hold up. Like, we're not totally against it. We just, we have to get it right, because it really is important. Look at these guys. Look at these names. Look at these players. The more of these guys that we can get in Major League Baseball, the better. So the implementation of an international draft is going to be different, but it can help. And as long as we get it right, we can see more guys like this playing in Major League Baseball and growing the game that I love so much and, and one, doing a really good job on the field and, and producing for their team as well. These guys, these guys do it all, and I, I love watching them play. These are guys that when you see, when you know, I watch a lot of games. I try and watch all of them happening at one time. So I'll see who's up in each game, and I'll click on certain games. When when these guys are up at the plate, I'll click it, and I'll go watch them. These are guys that you say, I need to watch the game when they're hitting. And they're all so young, and it makes me so excited for the game that I love so much.
2: Last, I mean, last thing that we have on this, obviously you had to have seen the the clip of uh, Julio, was it Urias, going against Juan Soto the other day? Yes. With Dontrell Willis commentating?
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Absolutely electric. yep. yep it
2: was, was awesome. so much fun. Now, let's move on. Your Team of the
1: Week. Team of the Week. Well, This is becoming one of my favorite segments we do on the show because it allows me to highlight players from each position that might not always get the love and respect they deserve over the course of a month or a season. But when it comes to a week, well, they might get that love and respect. And the perfect guy to lead all of that off is that catcher. And my catcher on this week's Team of the Week is Jose Trevino. What a week he had! What a special week. Um, he now he's now with the Yankees, and it was it was an emotional week for him. He hits he hits a home run, he walks off the game on his late father's what would have been his birthday. Hits 445 on the week with a homer and four RBIs, and after the game was very emotional. Talking about it, and he dedicated the walk off to his dad, to his father. And said, "Dad, I, I did it. I walked it off for the Yankees, just like I did in the backyard." And it's tough for me to not even—it's tough for me to not get emotional just hearing that. Um, pretty special moment, pretty special week he had. That all culminated around that moment, that post-game interview. Uh, everybody should go and watch that because it made me emotional. He was emotional, and uh, it was really cool. So Jose Trevino on this list at catcher. Moving on over. To first base on team of the week, Paul Goldschmidt. What a week. 524, two homers, 10 RBIs, 10 RBIs on the week. You have double digit RBIs on a week, you're doing something right. Paul Goldschmidt is he's doing something right. Moving on over to second base. This one is a no-brainer. Trevor Story. Six home runs, 17 RBIs, 320 on. The week. We've all been waiting for it. We've been waiting for Story to come over, and we were waiting for that first home run. You know, it took a while for him to get that first one, and then he gets six in a week. The term locked in was meant for what Trevor Story was this past week. It was remarkable to watch. There were grand slams, there were balls that looked like they went 600 feet, there were six homers and 17 RBIs, and he is on this list at second base. Let's move on over to third base. At third base, we have Jose Ramirez. 364, three homers, 10 RBIs. Hit an absolute mammo bomb at Minute Maid Park in Houston the other day. He's been on this list a couple times now. He's one of the best third basemen in the game of baseball, and he had another good week. So Jose Ramirez is here at third base. Moving on over to my shortstop on Team of the Week, Dansby Swanson. Dansby has been struggling. The hair, the beautiful hair, has always been there. But the struggle in the plate, at the box, in the box, at the plate, was tough earlier this year. This week, 480, two homers, seven RBI. He stole a couple bases, had a couple clutch knocks. I really like Dansby Swanson, and I like when he is playing well, and he is doing just that right now. So it's good to see. It's good to see him having the The slow start that he did, and then being able to get out of that and to have the week that he did. So he's at shortstop on my team of the week. Now out to the outfield, where we have three outfielders. It's not positional based. It's three outfielders in general. And first up, Jock Peterson. This was remarkable because he hit three home runs in a game the other night and then led off the next game in his first at bat with a home run. So he had four homers over the span of like five, six at bats. It was remarkable. On the week, he hit 500 with four homers and 10 RBIs. He also had a splash hit into McCovey Cove, which I believe he's in rare air there, some rare territory. I'm not sure if he's the only one, but he is now on a list of a player that did it as a road, as a road opponent, and now as a home opponent, doing getting a splash hit into McCovey Cove. So, He's my first outfielder on Team of the Week. Next up, we have Mookie Betts. I'm rocking his shirt because he's back on top. 476 batting average, four homers, 10 RBIs. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, in the month of May, he is leading all of Major League Baseball in a lot of categories, and he's second in homers behind only Aaron Judge. When Mookie Betts left, the Red Sox, and came to the Dodgers, this is what we were expecting. This Mookie Betts that we're seeing in May, it has been special, and what he did in the last week was special as well. 4.76 with four bombs and 10 RBIs. That's a good That's a good month, four homers and 10 RBIs. All right, last up, my last outfielder on my team of the week, Randy Arosarena. That man, Randy, 524, two homers, six RBIs. A guy that we've all known to, we've all gotten to know from his success in the playoffs. Well, early in this year, it wasn't great. Uh, he wasn't killing it, but now, now he is. And we've we've seen it in the past with him. We know that when he gets rolling, he's a very streaky hitter. So when he gets rolling, watch out. And he is doing just that right now. So that rounds out my outfield: Jock Peterson, Randy Rosarina, and Mookie Betts. Now. For the DH, J.D. Martinez. J.D. hit 6.50 on the week. 650, nine runs scored, three doubles. What more can you say about that? You hit 6.50 on a week, you're going to be on the team of the week. There's just no way around that. J.D. Martinez, the designated hitter. Now, on the mound, the starting pitcher on my team of the week, Christian Javier. What a week he had. Two different starts. 11 2 two-thirds innings on the mound, a win, 18 strikeouts in just under 12 innings. A 0.77 ERA. The dude is incredible. He throws like invisibles out there, it feels like his stuff's moving all over the place. Guys can't hit it. What a week he had. I really like him as a starter for the Houston Astros. He's been in the bullpen some, he's been a fringe starter. I think they should stick with him in the starting rotation. He has proven that he is good enough to be there. He is dominant as a starter, and this was a dominant week. Rounding out my team of the week, the closer, Ryan Presley. That's right, both pitchers. Houston Houston Astros starter and a Houston Astros closer. He had three saves on the week and three and two-thirds innings, five Ks, zero earned runs. Dominant. How do you get any more dominant than that i don't i don't know i don't know how you get more dominant than that but ryan presley three saves three and two thirds five k's zero earned runs rounds out my team of the week producer conrad no trivia today right
2: trivia is done no fan questions today we gotta go
1: we gotta go it wraps up with the team of the week this episode this has been a lot of blast i always love the I always love the Thursday episode. Thank you guys for listening. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I will see you all on Monday. So thank you all for listening. Actually, you know what? We have a fun little Saturday special for you all. The the Saturday game of the week on FS1 is Cubs at White Sox. I will be joined by A.J. Pierzynski on Saturday for a quick little fun interview. And who knows better about that Crosstown rivalry than he does. And and we, we will talk just about that. But thank you all for listening. This has been a blast. Make sure you download, subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever it may be. And rate it five stars. If you're listening right now, just do it. It really helps. Rate it five stars. And uh, I would really appreciate that. We're also on all social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can watch every episode via video on YouTube at Pod. This has been a blast. Thank you all for listening. I will see you Saturday for a fun, liberal episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace out, my friends.